In the Gospels, we see many times Jesus being referred to as king or his kingdom being spoken of. But in the Gospel of Matthew, we heard John's Gospel this morning where Jesus is talking about his kingdom being of another place. But in Matthew's Gospel, of all the books in the New Testament, we see the kingdom being mentioned the most. About 54 times. Of those 54 times, 32 of them are paired with another word, heaven, the kingdom of heaven. This phrase, kingdom of heaven, is only found in Matthew's gospel, but it gives us a deep insight into the feast that we celebrate today. Jesus' kingship is about a kingdom that is otherworldly. It's a kingdom, as the gospels tell us, begins in the heart of man begins as a mustard seed, but then grows as man responds to this invitation. But it's a kingdom that's ultimately found with Christ in the other world. Now, I wish to show, share with you a few passages from Matthew's gospel that speak of this kingdom of heaven. As I said, there's about 32 of them. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself, himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Another place, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a marriage feast for his son. One final example for now, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. So what is heaven? If Jesus is the king there, we see cartoons of angels on clouds, St. Peter at the pearly gates. These tend to reduce, though, what heaven is. Let's look to what the church has told us what are some of the things that we know for sure about heaven? First, that heaven is eternal bliss. There is no end to the joys of those who are with God. The souls of the just, which in the moment of death are free from all guilt of sin and punishment for sin, enter into heaven. Now that's the that's the kicker there. You have to be free from all attachment to sin, the guilt of sin, punishment for sin. So most of us, even St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta would say, I'm looking forward to purgatory. Most of us are going to have to make up that plunge into that. We won't get into purgatory today, though. Heaven is a place in a condition of perfect supernatural bliss which consists in the immediate vision of God and in the perfect love of God associated with it. Now that needs a little explanation. How can somebody have a vision of God without their body? Well, first, it's an intellectual vision. I was thinking about how to try and explain this, and perhaps one way is when one's mind is so in, enthralled with something, so in love with something, so caught up with something, it keeps thinking about that object that is uh, desired or loved. 
For instance, when a young person falls in love and they can't forget the other person, they, it occupies their mind and their thoughts. In an analogous way, the mind is so caught up with God, that he, but even more so, he permeates the mind that we say the mind has this vision of God. And that vision of God so fills the person that they are present to God. But there's a difference because while often somebody may think of somebody who is far away with love and they might be present in their mind, God is present. God enwraps the person in heaven, surrounds the person. Furthermore, our minds can't be elevated to think about God in this way, the theologians tell us, without some divine assistance. This is sometimes referred to as the lumen gloriae, uh, the, the light of glory. God elevates our minds. Because God is pure spirit, he can't be seen with the physical eyes of the body. His presence can only be seen through that which is like it, the soul. But our will is also involved in this, in seeing God, because not only is it enough to see God, but we must love him. And so the will is permanently fixed on loving God. Now, that may be a bit abstract for us and hard for us to understand. We will actually see Christ with our very eyes, the eyes of our body, but that won't be until the resurrection of the body on the last day. Think about the, the phrase in the creed, I believe in life everlasting. Life everlasting. This is tied to our belief in heaven, that heaven does not end. St. Paul tells us that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, what God has prepared for those who love him. Heaven is something that is a mystery. It's something that we, our minds, we can't get around because we, we haven't been there ourselves. And even those who have, in some kind of mystical experience, come back from heaven, they say it's so beautiful that words can't describe it. Some feel that anything in this world that is of joy or that is good is, is nothing compared to what they experienced in those moments that they were in heaven. What else can we say about heaven? Well, we've already kind of hinted at this, but in addition to the essential bliss, that beatitude or glory of seeing God with our, with our spirit, with our mind, that immediate vision of God, there's also this accidental blessedness. When we say accidental blessedness, we mean something that, it's not the essential thing, and yet it increases our joy and our experience of heaven. The essential thing is being with God, having God penetrate our whole being with joy, with his presence. But the accidental blessedness proceeds from the knowledge and love of created things. What is this? Well, seeing our friends there in heaven, seeing the saints, knowing the saints, 
There's a knowledge that's common to the saints. You may have never had a conversation before with somebody who lived hundreds of years before, yet you will know that person as though you have been friends forever. And there will be this common knowledge and love of one another. You know how it can be when you walk into a room and you don't know anybody, but you've maybe seen or heard about these people and you want to know them. And there's maybe a little bit of uncomfortableness or a little bit of awkwardness before you get to know them. None of that will be there in heaven. You will know the saints intimately. You will enjoy their company for eternity. Furthermore, as part of this accidental bliss or this added benefit will be the very fact of having our bodies there. There will be an increase of joy, an increase of the experience of the goodness of heaven because our bodies are there. And so it would seem that heaven can not only be a state of being, meaning enjoying God, but it also seems to have to be a place because our bodies and we will have these very bodies. God will raise and reconstruct our very bodies. And the body needs a place to be. And so we can expect also that in heaven there will also be some kind of physical dimensions. What is the image that our Lord uses? He talks about mansions. It won't be a mansion like anything we've seen here, but something far beyond that. In C.S. Lewis, one of his works, he talks about this journey through, he through hell, through purgatory, up to heaven. And in this uh, kind of mythical bus that the, the participants are on, when they get to the four planes, the four grounds of heaven, and they get out of the bus, they can hardly stand on the grass because the grass is so much more real and it's almost painful to them at first. They can hardly drink or splash or wash themselves in the water because it is so much more real than anything they ever experienced here on earth. Anything that is good, anything that is truly lasting, anything that we experience on this earth that we, we might even be afraid, well, will this be in heaven? Will I be able to experience this happiness or this joy? Anything that's like that is merely a reflection of the good things God has prepared for us. What about the, decree, the degrees, rather, of perfection in heaven? Will everybody experience heaven at the same, in the same way? There's one of Jesus' parables that would at first make us think so, where he talks about the different people who come, who haven't, don't have work, and the, the owner of the vineyard goes out at different times of the day and says, come, work. Um, finally, that last hour, he goes out. And all of those who have worked in the vineyard, even those for only an hour, receive the same pay. St. Augustine talks about how this parable points to the fact that all those who are saved, no matter where it was, at the beginning of their life, they, be, they followed the path of righteousness, or at the end of their life, kind of like the good thief who stole heaven, slipped in at the last hour, all received the reward of heaven. But Christ also reminds us that each will be, receive his reward 
according to what he has done in the body. St. Paul talks about this as well. And so it, it is a, a, of our faith that the rewards or the merits of heaven differ in proportion to the good and to the degree that one has followed Christ here on earth. And so all of us should have a holy zeal and a holy desire that, our, that we would not miss out on what God has intended for us in the afterlife, in the life with him. Now, nobody will be lacking. Somebody has um, less capacity for, for the happiness and joys of heaven. Nevertheless, they're going to be completely full. So perhaps a way to imagine this or is somebody's capacity for the happiness of heaven might be only a shot glass, whereas somebody else may have the capacity of a swimming pool or the ocean. Everyone will be completely full, but, other, but many will have a greater or lesser capacity. There will be no envy, though, in heaven. No one will look at somebody who has a greater glory and be like, I wish I had that. Rather, the glory that is, participate, that is shared among the saints, and I say shared because when one looks at somebody else's glory, it will be as though they are glorying in something that has been given to them. Just as when a, a father or mother looks at their son or daughter's accomplishments and participates in those, relishes those, so it will be for all the saints with one another. So a couple quick quotes from the saints on heaven. St. Augustine says, Their goodwill shall be so ordered in us that we shall have no other desire than to remain there eternally. We'll be so filled with happiness we won't want anything else. Some people, myself included, have sometimes wondered, well, it sounds like heaven's kind of static. You know, how can I really be happy there? What we have to realize is that even though our joy doesn't change, heaven is not something that is still. It is something that our joy is constantly being renewed, constantly overflowing. St. Philip Neri, who would, who would say, I want heaven, I prefer heaven. That was a, a phrase of his. Even there's a, a movie, I think, by St. Ignatius uh, that's been made called Preferisco il cielo, I prefer heaven. He said, if we only got to heaven, what a sweet and easy thing it will be there to be always saying with the angels and the saints, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. This brings out a point that each time we come to Mass, we are allowed to, as it were, peek behind the curtain into the joys and the glories of the saints. Their joy and their glory is to praise God for all eternity. When we, at the Mass, cry out, holy, 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 we are participating in their worship. St. Anselm of Canterbury said, no one will have any other desire in heaven than what God wills, and the desire of one will be the desire of all, and the desire of all and of each one will also be the desire of God. You know, so often in our families we experience a clashing of wills and we compromise for the sake of love or to get along. 
but sometimes that is felt almost like sandpaper, and God uses that to smooth out the rough spots in us. But in heaven, there will be complete union of wills. Everyone will will and love the same thing. Our own patron of our diocese, St. Thomas More, had, said, had this to say, Earth hath no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Many of the, the mystics, I think uh, St. Faustina herself said, that as soon as you get to heaven, all of your sorrows melt away. It's as though they never even existed. Finally, this quote from St. John Vianney. We'll end with this this morning. And what he said to his, to his flock, I wish to repeat to you. Oh, my dear parishioners, let us endeavor to get to heaven. There we shall see God. How happy we shall feel. If the parish is converted, we shall go there in procession with the parish priest at the head. We must get to heaven. My dear friends, my dear children in Christ, heaven is what we were made for. Heaven is our goal. At the end of this world, may we all be there, not one of us missing. And in the end, it's the only thing that matters. Like St. Philip Neri, we too must prefer heaven.